The Fantasy Six-Pack Hour With your hosts Joe Bob Ah, you're awful And A.J. Appleton Sin Shu Chu Mouthful Right, all right. Welcome back to the Fantasy Six Pack Hour. My name is Joe Bond, founder of FantasySixPack.net and writer over at So-Called Fantasy Experts. Uh, my co-host on the line tonight is AJ Applegarth. What's going on, man? Hey, man. What's going on? Oh, uh, it's been a busy week. Uh, definitely been a busy week trying to get all this March Madness stuff out on the site, and we have plenty of it. Uh, all the region previews and all the staff picks and a couple number fire articles uh, sprinkled in there. So very good stuff. I dec- definitely recommend everybody going over and looking at it. I will preface this. We do not claim to be experts in, col- in fantasy, uh, in well, fantasy, in college basketball. But uh, we know how to do our research. We are fans of the sport, so we, you know, we do our best. But uh, you know, take it for what you will. I don't think any look honestly. I don't really think anybody can claim to be an expert on college basketball. I mean, let, let's be real. Like, how many wrong picks do all these guys on like ESPN and CBS and all these guys make? I mean, it's a complete toss up after a while. You know, it's you do the research, you see the stats, you see who they played. You make an educated guess. I know how to make an educated guess as good as anybody else, it seems like. Some some years I'm really good at it, some years I'm really bad, and I'm sure you're the same. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I've had some good success in years past. You know, as, as of recently, I haven't been too great in picking it, but, you know, I really equate the March Madness brackets uh, and predicting them as the same level as a meteorologist. It, it's the only thing that <laughs> you can just throw anything out there and just, you know, have a, a hundred thousand percent confidence being right. And then the next day having it completely shot to hell and, and not caring and being like, okay, well, you know, whatever. Well, the difference is you care about your brackets, obviously, but, I feel like the the weather people do not care that they're wrong. It's the only job that I know of that you can be wrong 90% of the time and still collect a paycheck and put a smile on your face. So that, that's much. what uh, what I equate it to now. As long as you're pretty, you can be a weather a weather girl on TV. <laughs> weather person. Uh, Let's be a PC here, Joe. <laughs> right. I failed. There may be some oh, wow. pretty male weather persons out there. I don't know. <laughs> sure. You know what I was getting at, though. I'm pretty yeah, sure everybody yeah. else knows, too. Anyway. Uh-huh. Um, so tonight we are going to be finishing our 2017 fantasy baseball position previews by covering – pitching. So we're not going to do just starting pitching. We're not going to do just relievers. We're going to do all of pitching together. Uh, But before we get into it, I do want to talk a little bit more about the March Madness and the brackets. 
So we we released our our picks for uh, the the final four today, and there were what seven? I think there was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There was nine nine of the writers on the site, including you and I, uh, gave their picks. Um, consensus is whoa, it's pretty split for champion. North Carolina has four. They're the they're the most. Arizona has two. Villanova has one. Kansas has one. Um, Villanova is a pretty good pick for the Final Four. Arizona is the most is the favorite pick for the Final Four. Um, now I don't know if every if most people are having them come out of that Final Four game. Uh, we, I didn't ask people to pick the championship. I just, pe- I just asked them to pick their final four. Um, and then let's see here. Um, yeah, Carolina is a pretty popular pick coming out of the South. Kansas is the most popular pick coming out of the Midwest. I mean, I see those. You know, and you're and you're pretty. You're right on that. I mean, you've got Nova, North Carolina, Arizona, Villanova winning. You got Iowa State coming out of the Midwest, though. Um, That's right, dude. I've I've picked them to go far so many times, and they just crumble in the tournament. I don't know what it is. Like they have, they've had better teams than this one. I feel like, and they just crumble. So uh, it's hard for me to do that. Explain that pick. I mean, to me, I feel like it is. You know, they, they're coming off a Big 12 championship, Big 12 tournament championship. You know, I, granted, they didn't have to play Kansas in that championship game um, because they went out earlier. But I I just like this team. I mean, I think they, they've got a good chance. I know what you're saying, and I've been burned by them in the past too, especially when they were a three seed and dropped to a 14 uh, yep, absolutely. Might have been That's in what like I was trying to get at. <laughs> 2015, I think it was. I mean, it was like, I don't know. I had Wikipedia's pages up from 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, and last year's brackets all up, scanning and trying yeah. to figure out some sort of algorithm to make sense of everything. Um, but, yeah, I just, I mean, if you look at this Midwest region, it's going back to Kansas city where they just won that crown. And they had a huge, huge showing of their fans. So I, you know, I can definitely see them coming back again for this tournament, assuming they make it there. Um, and, And I just, I think that they can beat Kansas there again. So you know, uh, Kansas will have their obviously have their fans there as well, but I, I just think that this is this is what's going to happen. Uh, I'd like this team, um, and I can see them. I can see them pulling the way their way through. Kansas yeah, is, is I mean, the same way though. They they just have you know fell asleep in this tournament so many times, mostly. I feel like it's when they aren't the one seed. I, I feel like if they have been a one the, seed, they're usually the two seed. They, and they usually, just die. <laughs> yeah, they usually it's make crazy. it 
pretty far when they're the one seed. I feel like there might have been the one year that they went out pretty early. Maybe it was that Northern Iowa game or something, or that might have been St. Joe's. I don't know. So many teams, so many. I know. Upsets back it's in. tough. It's tough um, to it's it, tough to keep track sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, I I do like Arizona coming out. I feel like. Um, you know, they have such a strong team, but they're they're another team that just kind of crumbles in the tournament. And, you know, uh, Sean Miller, the coach, I believe, hasn't made a Final Four with them. Um, but I know they made it pretty far a couple of years back as well. So, yeah. Hey, there's only first. Just, Nobody thought Villanova yeah. was going to do it last year, but... And that's see that's I, I an just, interesting bracket to me because you got Gonzaga, you got Gonzaga and Arizona. It's like who's gonna finally like bust through? You yeah. know, Gonzaga's never done it. Arizona's done it, but not with this coach and this team. So it's gonna be kind of the well, who's gonna actually do it? And it's, I think that's gonna be an interesting bracket. But to go back to the Kansas bracket, dude. So I this is the, this is the one that I wrote about. I wrote about the Midwest region, and so yeah. when I'm looking at it, I'm going, ah. I hate Kansas because exactly mm-hmm. what you just said. And the last time they did it, like two or three years ago, I was like, I'm never picking Kansas to go far again. Never, never, never. Well, I'm the one who picked them to win the damn thing because I just don't like anybody else. I just don't. Like, I'm looking at everybody else's team, and Kansas has, like, one of the best strengths of schedule. They have – a real like the thing that I feel like you need to win a tournament is to be tested. Kansas has been tested. They have like a nine and two record on like three or games decided by three points or less. So they've been tested yeah. against good teams. The Big Twelve is a good conference. Um, they've got a star player, multiple star players, but a star star player in Frank Manson the third, and. I don't feel like they're like they're not super young. Like all these like freshman teams, like look, Kentucky's gonna do it here and there, but like these like super freshman teams, they're they're I'm never gonna pick them. It's just not gonna happen. Um, but like I have that Iowa State Kansas matchup happening in the Elite Eight, or that's a Sweet Sixteen. Sweet Sixteen, um, yeah. They're playing in Kansas City, and I know what you're saying. Uh, that, you know, Iowa had a, a good showing there. I just think that, you know, Kansas is going to show up full force. And the thing you got to remember is the reason why they didn't have to play Kansas in the Big 12 tournament final is because their their star freshman, Josh Jackson, he was suspended for, like, off-court issues. Now, that could be potentially mm-hmm. an issue. Like, if he does something stupid again, he won't be there. But if he's there, I don't think they're losing. Uh, he's really, really good. So I don't think they're going to lose to Iowa State. Iowa State is that one game I was like, uh-oh. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know what to do with them. Uh, you know, I feel like they are the they're, – they're an under-seeded five seed to me. Although they do yeah, get a really I, tough matchup in Nevada in round one. Who well, yeah, 12. it's not an easy – It has, like, two NBA caliber players on their team, which is crazy to think. So like Iowa State yeah. might not even be there. I mean that could be an, that could be a quick out for them. Yeah, I mean not not to flop on my decision here, but I mean you look at Kansas's schedule too, and ridiculous. You know they started the season against number eleven Indiana and then lost that game in overtime. 
but then they went on to beat number one Duke. Um, you know, and then fast forward into their, you know, they, they didn't really play much after that until they got into their Big 12 schedule. And, you know, they beat Iowa State in their first matchup on January 16th. Albeit it was a close game, you know, by they won by four points, but then they lost to West Virginia, who was 18th. They beat a fourth-ranked Kentucky, who is now a two-seed in the tournament. They beat a two-seeded Baylor. Um, you know, then they lost to Iowa State. And, and Iowa State hasn't been ranked, you know, either time that they've played them. Um, then they beat, nine, you know, number nine West Virginia. They beat number four Baylor. Um, and then they just fell apart in the tournament. Like you said, they didn't have Jackson. So that definitely hurt them. And they, they lost by three points to TCU in the first game. Yeah. So, um, you know, that was a huge upset for TCU to, to get there and, and make that happen. You know, kudos to them. Hey, I mean, that's the way these tournaments go. I, I mean, they've won, I think, 13 straight Big 12 tournament or big 12 regular season regular season titles yep i mean that's i think that's even better than ucla's you know john wooden's teams um so bill self is is a hell of a coach i'm not going to take anything away from from his ability and the players he has i just don't i just don't see them doing it they've you know like you said and have had happen to you too they've just crapped on my bracket so many times that I just I have a hard time trusting them and and I really like Iowa State this year coming off you know of their their Big Twelve championship win. Um, yeah, as good as this Midwest bracket was though, like all of these teams, all of the teams that I looked at, I was like, oh Kansas, ooh Iowa State, ooh Oregon, ooh Louisville, like they've all crapped on me at some point, and I'm like, wait, yeah. who am I gonna pick out of these guys? Like they're all really good but they all have flaws too. And I, you know, I'm looking at Iowa state, you know, they haven't really won as many of the, the games as you should, you know, you would like to have them win. Uh, Louisville kind of, I think, I feel like Louisville's good, but like when you look at their schedule, like every time they played a top 25 RPI team, they, they lost. And it was like, Ooh, that's not good. Uh, Oregon yeah. just lost Chris Boucher, you know, they're, they're one of their main shot blockers and, you know, big guys there. So that, that's a big, uh, disadvantage to them. So like, if I'm looking at all these teams, like they all have weaknesses. The one who has the least weaknesses was Kansas to me. And, and I hated doing it, but I was like, I, I feel like I have to, um, so. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, looking at, uh, Ohio, Iowa State schedule, you know, they they lost a lot of these early season games that were against good teams or tournament teams even. You know, Miami was the first team they, that they – tough team, I'll call it, that they beat. Mount St. Mary's, okay, they're a 16 seed. But, you know, they beat them as the second game. They beat Miami. Then they lost to Gonzaga. They lost to Cincinnati in back-to-back weeks. Um, you know, they lost to Baylor in the first matchup against them. They did beat Oklahoma State, but then they lost to that TCU team that took out Kansas. Uh, and then yeah. Kansas, you know, in back-to-back weeks, they lost to Vanderbilt. They lost to West Virginia. Then they beat Kansas. So, you know. Yeah, they're losing just, the games against the good teams. Yeah. I mean, they lost 
both of their games against West Virginia in the regular season. They, uh, they won both of their games against Oklahoma State and then again in the tournament. Um, and Oklahoma State's supposed to be this, like, powerhouse team that's supposed to take Michigan out. But they're coming into this, this tournament so cold that, you know, I, I had to pick Michigan. I think one of my brackets I, I threw Oklahoma State a bone and then had them losing to Louisville. But um, even though, though, I, I may not have. I don't know. I, I, I feel just way more confident about Michigan and the hot streak they're riding right now. You know, they have a week for that to kind of – set in and cool off so that that could come back to bite them but you know I just think uh they don't have an easy matchup against Nevada like he said but I, I think that they can definitely make it to the Sweet 16 and at least give Kansas a run for their money I think they'll beat them but you know if if they don't I'm not going to be surprised it's just this is this is the weather person in me coming out and saying <laughs> it's going to rain in that Sweet 16. I don't know. Maybe we'll get some hail and Iowa State's going to win. So there we go. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't want to spend too much more time on this, but you know, some of the more interesting storylines to me to watch is you know is Duke this late season run by Duke for real? Like as much as I don't like Duke. uh they they look scary all of a sudden. Um, you know, can Gonzaga get through? Can UNC like UNC like oddly doesn't impress me every time I watch them. Like they beat good teams, they do. I I get it. They really do beat good teams, but they seem to like every time I watch them. The fact that Duke beat them two out of three times, like that's kind of scary. Uh, can Kentucky yeah. like can they be the two seed that they should like I was surprised Kentucky got a two seed I didn't think that they were that good but I guess they kind of came on strong near the end I saw them lose a few games early in the season but I didn't really pay that much attention to them um Wichita State at the 10 seed it's like the most underseeded team in the in the whole tournament that's that's scary yeah. that's that's a weird ranking for them and that Wichita State Kentucky game that's gonna be really interesting in round two that's that's I mean I'm already predicting it like that's gonna happen <laughs> um Oh, I ha- I have Wichita State over Kentucky in, in my my main bracket that I am using in basically all of the pools that I do. I yeah. have I have them going down, uh, Kentucky. Um, I, yeah, I think I've, Wichita I've State coming in. They're they're going to be angry about that seeding, you know. And you saw it last year too. It's two years in a row now that you know they're not getting rewarded for stellar regular season play and tournament play. And, you know, they were 11 seed and got bounced to the play-in game last year and had to play, a, a, you know, two days early just to get into the tournament, you know. So yeah. they ended up winning their second game in the tournament, but then they fell after that um, as the 11. But I, I think, uh, you know, I definitely think they could make a run. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat you, uh, UCLA and then, you know, had a potential Elite Eight matchup with, with UNC. Um, but... I I have UCLA winning that matchup, so that's definitely And I can't not talk about the NCAA tournament without saying Virginia Tech finally made it in, baby. Finally. So happy. So happy. Got to give love to our Hokies. Um, We may lose in round one, but, hey, we made it. (laughs) God, what's up with Johnson? Like, oof, that's a rough first round matchup for us. I'm like, they could have I given us like so a 
so excited when I looked at Joe Lenardi's bracketology like two or three days before the 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 final bracket was announced and they had us going I can't think of who the seed the eight seed was. I think they still had us as a nine. It might have been an eight, but we were in that game and, and maybe we were going against like Northwestern or whatever. And I was like, okay, you know, they're they're a nice Cinderella story. They finally made it into the tournament after all these years, the Chicago Cubs of, of the NCAAs. You know, they're coming in a little cold and, and kind of stumbled down the stretch, so that bodes well for Tech. And then the number one team that they had us against was Kansas. I was like, ah, oh, man, that would be fantastic. We'll take yeah. them out, and they're going to suck. <laughs> and, and it's going to be, you know, an easy eight or nine over one upset for me to pick. And and At I one just, point I, saw, I saw the bracket late Sunday night and was yeah. like, you got to be kidding me. You gave us Wisconsin shit. Uh, at one point I saw them having our number one seed be Gonzaga and I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> I'll take out Gonzaga every year. With, with yeah. Us. yeah that I did, I did do too. one bracket just for fun and put Virginia Tech all the way through. Clearly that was not in any money pools, but it's just for fun. Uh, but anyway, we need to move on a lot to cover today with the pitching. Um, where to start with this? Pitching is is deep, but honestly, like I feel like it's getting um, because the elite pitching is kind of pulling away. It feels like um, the elite pitching is so good. Kershaw and Scherzer and Sales and all these guys—they are so good now that the pitching is it's top heavy. But then. Everybody after number like 30 is the same, it feels like, uh, until about 70. And then after that, it's like, who cares? Roll the dice, pick somebody. Maybe you'll, you know, maybe you'll, you know, roll, roll a 10 or something, you know, but it's, it's kind of iffy after, after a little while. And they're all kind of the same. Maybe you go with high case upside, but they're all going to give you a mediocre whip, mediocre ERA, um, that type of thing. Uh, but like I said, these, these elite guys, they're elite. And that's why, you know, Kershaw is definitely worth a first rounder. Now I never would have said that two years ago, probably wouldn't have said that last year, but he is absolutely worth a first rounder. I've seen him go as early as number two in drafts and I have no, no issues with it at all. Um, because he makes such a difference. You could argue he's the number one player in fantasy baseball because of the difference he makes for a pitching staff with a low one ERA, well, below two ERA, and a below one whip. He strikes out over 200 people every year. Uh, Just dominates lots of innings everything i mean this guy is he he makes such a difference you know people were dra- you know people in years past were drafting good shortstops good second basemen in the first round because of position scarcity and because it makes a difference it's like drafting the gronk you know in the first round because you're like oh i have the best player and he's going to make such a difference for me i can i can make it all up in the other cat in the other in the other positions Kershaw is kind of that way. 
where he is such yeah. a difference maker. Uh, you know, drafting him first, second, third, fourth, if he happens to fall to you like eighth or ninth, I'm taking it. Uh, and he hasn't fallen that far in any of the drafts I've done, in any of the mocks I've done. He always, he always gets grabbed up in five or six at the latest. Um, but he, he's that type of dominant player that you can do that with. But my main strategy for this position, if I don't get Kershaw, which I n- normally don't, is I'll take one of these top 10 guys generally in the first, you know, I'm generally waiting and I hate saying this, but people always ask, Oh, what round do you take pitching? All right. In a 12 team league standard head to head or it's standard, you know, five by five, I'm generally waiting and you can wait. Now every draft's different. You've got to get the feel of the draft, but generally you can wait until round three, four, depending if you have like a back end pick and you've got one of the first four to get a top 10, 12 pitcher. I want one of those guys. Um, you kind of need that anchor, that guy that's going to give you really good ratios, a guy you can build off of. Uh, and then I'm, I'm okay kind of waiting until round, you know, seven, eight to pick a next guy. Cause there, there's a slew of guys in that seven, eight range when you're looking at guys like, uh, like Maeda's falling, Fulmer's there, Salazar's there, Lackey's there, Keuchel's there if you believe in him, Stroman, Duffy. You know, there's a ton of guys in that like seven, eight range. Uh, depending on your draft, there might even be better guys that are falling to that range. That I'll take them as I'll just load up in, in round seven, eight, nine. I'll just get three of those guys and just load up on all of those guys. And I'll have a fantastic pitching staff. And I've now used six of my first seven picks on, on, on hitting that before then. And I'm I'm good to go. Um, I know I've got a really good offense because you can rely. Look at the, the fact of it is, is you can rely on offense more than you rely on pitching. Pitching, there's more injuries involved with pitching than there is with with hitting. So that's why I generally load up on hitting more than I do pitching. Um, and because, like I said, pitching still is deep. It really is deep. In those middle rounds, you can get really solid pitchers. And in the late rounds, there's definitely guys that I like. Uh, but they're, they're scattered. And they're still all, you know, you're taking risks, you're projecting, you're hoping they hit. Uh, but it's not an exact science with these guys. Uh, so that's, that's kind of how I do it. I don't know. Do you do it any different? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the league. I, I know I've talked ad nauseum about the one pitcher-heavy league that I was in, or still am in, but have been in for years. And last year we switched the hitters up a bit. And the draft, you still felt it um, with the pitching run in the first round and second round, I feel like the third round people finally started taking more offensive guys, but, but everybody would just load up on these pitchers. And I I think I didn't end up getting one until the fourth round, maybe even the fifth round, I forget. But my first pitcher was Jordan Zimmerman, who was lights out in April and then was oh, yes. absolute Very garbage rare. the rest of the year. I know both of us had him, and we talked about how bad he was last year um, and shared in the misery. But, you know, 
I would say that kind of killed me in that league. My my pitching staff wasn't that great, and I just kind of mixed and matched and put guys together that that had good years um, and got me points, but I just focused on the rule switches and went offense heavy, and it paid off because, you know, my team caught fire at the end of the year and and carried me all the way into the championship game. Um, but I lost ultimately. And I think part of that problem was because I didn't have that ace pitcher to anchor my staff. Um, so, you know, I do, you know, in that league, I still feel like I need to get one of those guys early because people are going to be either keeping a, a stud pitcher or, or going after them, you know, right away. I think this year will be interesting to see how the draft happens. I think it's going to kind of shift a little back towards offense. People are starting to realize, okay, well, yeah, you know, I do need a good pitcher, but I can wait a little bit more. My other leagues, I do tend to wait a little bit more um, because I want to load up on that offense and try to hit, you know, four of those five categories um, and, and just do what I can to get a nice balanced offense and then yeah. find a guy that, like you said, in that, you know, even if it's six, seven, eight, you know, that I'm going after pitchers, I'll I'll take those guys and I'll I'll build a staff off of them and make it work. And then I stream pitchers throughout the year. I mean, oh yeah, you I'll have probably to. every every week you 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 find the good matchups that are there and you go with it. I mean, it it may work out, it may burn you, but that's the nature of the game and that's the nature of streaming. You know that you're doing it and and taking on the risk. Yeah, streaming is a is a definitely a a viable strategy. It it's something you almost have to do to win in a lot of leagues. Uh now it's different in when you play weekly leagues, you can't really do that, but I mean, yeah, you can still stream in weekly leagues too a little bit though. You know, you look for those two start pitchers the week before like that Monday, as soon as the week locks, you find that two-star pitcher for the next week. You drop your pitcher that only has one who's a, a lower-tier guy, and you swap him out, and you start that two-star pitcher. Not always as easy as that sounds because, you know, if it's Ubaldo Jimenez, then then it's whatever. But I think you, you know, I think you get the idea. Um, but let, let's get in here. Um before we jump into the questions, there's a, a, a lot of injuries going on here. And I just want to get your quick little, you know, 30 second take on each guy here uh, for, for pitching and start with number one, Max Serger, man, he's got this knuckle injury. You know, he says he's going to be good for opening day and he's throwing some, but he hasn't, he hasn't started in spring training yet. Um, I mean, when, when do we start getting, What's your take on this guy, and, and do you start moving him down drafts a little bit? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not worried about him yet. Um, you know, going into last year, I, I was a little down on him, and I, I owned him in, a, in my Dynasty League, but he he put together a great season, you know, and really was that anchor of my team and really carried me through a lot of pitching. I'm I'm still looking for him as a number two, you know, be, behind Clayshaw. Uh, yeah, Clayshaw, uh, Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> um, 
Sound like me. That's his new. That's his new nickname, Clayshaw. Um, so I, I still think he's going to be fine, but I am tentatively, you know, looking at him and following what's going on with this knuckle, you know, because so many times you see where the athlete says, oh, I'm good. It's not a problem. I'm going to play. I'll be ready, blah, blah, blah. But it's the doctors that don't let them get on the field. And, you know, the fact that he hasn't pitched in a game yet um, does kind of worry me, but it's still early. You know, we still got some a couple weeks left here. So, you know, I feel like he needs to get into a game next week for me to be 100% confident. Yeah, I don't don't blame you there, but I'm not too worried right now. Now, one that I think everybody has to be worried about now is David Price. You know, the injury came out a few weeks ago now, and he hasn't really pitched much since, and definitely not in the game. And there's already talk that he's going to start this season on the DL, David Price. Um, what, What do you think about him right now? Um, just back to what we talked about the other week. Um, I'm staying away from him personally. I, I love, you know, the case that he presents. I love that he's a workhorse, but I also hate that he's a workhorse because he's been so worked. He has so many innings on that body and that arm over the last, you know, umpteen years, including all these playoff appearances that he's made. And, um, I'm just letting him be someone else's problem this year. I mean, if if he comes back and has a great season, you know, kudos to them for for taking the risk on him. But I'm just not liking the risk, uh, you know, as much as the reward. Yeah, and and one that's a little more recent here is Carlos Carrasco. Now, he you know he's he's been hit by the injury bug many times. And right now it's a uh, it's an elbow, it's a, like a, just a sore elbow or something like that. He got rocked in his last minor league start, like an inning in the third, eight runs, like it was bad. Um, it was like the White Sox too. It was like ew. Um, and so you know the they're not getting it checked out. They say it's just a swollen elbow, but it's. And it's already reporting improvement according to the the news today, but I don't know, man. Like this, this really frightens me. Like I'm really shoving Carrasco down my draft boards. I don't know about you. Yeah, I, I like earlier in the season before this was all coming about, I was trying to like target him in my dynasty league and trying to offer some people to get him. I'm, I'm glad none of that went through, and and uh, you know became a, an actual trade. I still think at Dynasty he'll end up being okay, but he he's always got some ticky-tack thing going on with him. And, and anytime I hear elbow, I'm running like the wind. I, I don't want anything to do with that, you know, because it just screams Tommy John, unfortunately. Now we have seen, you know, Tanaka go through and not get the surgery. Um, there's another pitcher that did the same thing last year. I can't remember who it was. Uh, but I, I want to say it was a fairly bigger name that dealt with it. Maybe Garrett Richards, or did he end up having? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, I'm blanking on it too. But 
but either way, yeah, I, it, you can get around the elbow now. I feel like without having to do the Tommy John, but it, that ultimately will probably end up being in the future. So, you know, I, I'm I'm pushing him way down my boards. If he's hanging around and and he does end up starting the season on the DL, maybe I'll take a flyer on him and just shove him in the DL and then try to find you know, somebody that may not have gotten drafted that was a, a way low-tier guy that I liked. But, yeah, I, I'm I'm staying away for now. Yeah, he's definitely not, not high on my radar anymore. Um, Sonny Gray, dude, like this guy had a horrible 2016, and he's now, you know, been shut down for at least three weeks due to, a, I believe, it's a shoulder. And... Like I, I just don't know what else to do with this guy at this point. I mean, is, is he even draftable? He's draftable for someone. It's not going to be me. Um, <laughs> I mean, another the another guy who lat strain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like that's definitely something you can recover from. And, I mean, this guy and was a side young be okay. Two years ago, it's, it's crazy how it's, much he's it's, lost. Yeah, it really is. It's a shame. And this is exactly you know, like this talented proof, guy. This this is more proof that pitching is less predictable than hitting. You very yeah. rarely see a guy go from, you know, all star or not all star, but you know, like MVP ballot to I'm now complete trash. You don't see that in hitting. You can hit the ball. You see ball, you hit ball. You can still see ball and hit ball unless you're hurt. Um, he just, like, dropped. And we see this kind of stuff all the time. And then pitchers get injured, and they just don't recover. I mean, Tyson Ross, perfect example. Like, you know, these guys yeah. just can't seem to recover from these, like, elbow, shoulder injuries, you know, things like that. But, yeah, no, I agree with you, man. Uh, Sonny, Sonny Gray is kind of Unfortunately, I have him in my dynasty league, and I should have accepted a trade for Sal Perez for him. But I was like, it, you know, it's kind of pitcher heavy, um, mm. so I kind of I didn't do it, and now I'm regretting it big time. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, man. So you know, we've talked about Kershaw being awesome, Max Scherzer being, you know, right there with him. Who is your third pitcher coming off the board? Third pitcher coming off the board. Oof. I mean, I, um, names, you know, I, I mean, Bumgarner, Sale, Syndergaard, Kluber. Those are the typical guys coming off. You know, who who are you picking out of those four? Or are you picking somebody different? I mean, Arietta is still there. I think he's still going to have a solid year. Verlander had an exceptional year last year. I mean, he was the old Verlander. I could see him repeating close to that. I, I do think he's he definitely has a little room for regression. But I'd be okay taking him. Um, Number three? You know. Wow. Yeah, dude. I mean. That's a bold pick. <laughs> if he. Over Bumgarner or well, still? No, 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 not over those guys. Okay, that's what I meant. Like, who's your third I'm thinking, pitcher? Oh, my board? third, third pitcher. Sorry, sorry. Um, my third pitcher. I'm gonna go Syndergaard. 
Okay. Over that's, that's over very fair and, and over sale. I'm sorry. I'm thinking if you're looking at guys in third round. My bad. Oh no 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 no. Sorry. Misunderstood. Yeah. Yeah. You misunderstood that. Okay. Who is the third no, no. pitcher off the board? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. No, no, to very me, it's Syndergaard. He's legit. Bumgarner again, and, and part of it's probably because I, the one year that I went after him, I did it to, you know, stick it to a buddy of mine who loves him and drafts him first round every year. Um, but I took him that year, and he just he was not great. I think you might have had him that year too. And we bitched about it then too. Um, he's he's another guy who's just got so many innings on him that it just you know happened to be that year he he kind of fell flat a little bit. He still had a good year statistically, but he just didn't live up to my expectations. But Syndergaard is young. He throws hard. You know he is a, he is an awesome pitcher. Um, I definitely would take him over Bumgarner, Sale, Kluber, Lester, Cueto, all of those guys. Yeah, even it, even Arietta. It's a it's a pretty big toss up for me, and you know I, I'm kind of looking at. I've got Bumgarner up there too, but honestly, like I'm okay with any of those guys. Um, and and I think I think you know Bumgarner's up there because he's reliable, he's steady, and sometimes that's just what you need from your you know your top pitcher. Um, Syndergaard's yeah. got the, I think Syndergaard's got even more upside at this point. Like you know, I think he could be arguably the number one pitcher if it weren't for Kershaw type of thing. Uh, he's got that kind of talent, but he always kind of there's always that like nervousness with Mets pitchers for some reason. That you're just afraid these guys are gonna like rip their arm off. Um, yeah, and and it, it just happens too many times. All their like stud pitchers just seem to get injured. Harvey, Degrom, Syndergaard, you know, like these guys are all going They all just seem to get injured over there. So that, there's a little worry with that. But this dude has all the talent in the world. Uh, Sale is awesome, obviously. Um, he's not throwing for as many strikeouts as he has been. So there's that. And then you kind of have to worry about what happened, like. Price last year when he moved to Boston, all that pressure is on him. The big contract, and you know, it sale is you know good, but is that going to get to him? And you just kind of worry mm. about that. So, and that's a but tough I think you, division. Tough it, it is definitely a, a tough division. I mean, look, the the central the NL East. <laughs> I well, yeah, especially compared even compared to the the AL Central where he was, it's tougher. The, but the central was good. Like if you looked at like the runs scored for the for all the offenses in the central compared to the east, like I think it was pretty comparable. But I think it's the ballparks mm-hmm. and like playing in Boston yeah. for him is going to be tough, just like it is for David Price and most pitchers, you know. And then he gets Cam Niars and, and Yankee Stadium and all these stadi- like the stadiums in the east are just ridiculous. It it murders pitchers and like you don't want to go after pitchers uh, in in the AL East for the most part, you know. But look, I still like sales. I'm still taking sale very, very high. Um, but yeah, you, you really can't go wrong with any of those guys. I've got Bumgarner. You've got Thor. It is what it is. But there's really no wrong answer when you get to that level. Speaking of injured yeah. guys, um, do do you draft these like often injured pitchers like Strasburg, Harvey? You know these guys that just 
always seem to have some sort of ailment during the year. Now they're good. Matt Harvey's fallen off a, a little bit, but you know, he's still, he's still pretty solid. Um, Strasburg is really good when healthy, but the problem is health for these guys. Like how do you attack these guys in drafts? Um, I, I, Depending on who it is, last year I was actually pretty high on Strasburg. Um, I didn't end up getting him in any of my leagues, but I was targeting him sort of late, you know, still probably as like a top 15 guy. And that's ended up where he ended up going. Um, But I was looking more like 15 to 20. So you kind of have to roll the dice. I mean, it it just depends on if you really want the guy, you have to go out and get him. And and again, you got to know that you're taking on this risk, but you have to believe that the reward is greater than the risk. Um, Harvey is an interesting case this year. I mean, he was so bad last year. Um, and I feel like, if I remember correctly, he was just on record numerous times saying he wasn't injured and it wasn't anything to do with that. You know, he was just not pitching well and whatever. But I, I just think the Mets are in his head too much for whatever reason. And I don't know, it really screwed with him last year. Um, and then he did end up being injured. So it's like, well, Okay, which which was it? Um, so he's not necessarily someone I would target, but I mean, you just got to go after these guys, knowing you may only get, you know, three to four months out of them uh, throughout yeah. the season, and and if that's worth, you know, risking a, a solid offensive guy who's going to be there hopefully the entire six months of the year you know, and into the playoffs. I mean, that's that's what hurt Strasburg's owners last year. He he went out at the worst possible time, you know. So I, I just think that uh, you, you just got to believe that the reward's better than the risk. Yeah, um, I'll tell you, like, when I make my draft boards, you know, I've got my rankings, and, of course, I rank Strasburg pretty high because he, he's he's talented. He, you know, don't get me wrong, he's talented, but I always put a big red mark next to him, and I can't draft him. I can't draft Mac Harvey. Like, look, there's already so much risk with players in fantasy sports anyway. Like, any player you take is an injury risk. Why are you going to take one that you – with almost 100% certainty, no, is going to be injured at some point during the year. I just, I never, I never understand that. Um, Because when that guy goes down, you are left scrambling. And you hope it's like, you hope, like you said, you hope he misses like May to June or even May and June. And yeah, that sucks. But at least then he's there like at the end of the year when you got to make that final push in Roto Leagues or your, your playoffs, things like that. But Man, more times than not, these these pitchers they get hurt and they are shut down for the rest of the year, and that just mm-hmm. destroys you. I can't take these guys that I already know just have major injuries risk with them, and it's just, it's not worth it to me. Um, well, another thing with with Strasburg too, real quick, 
is that, you know, there might be some people that are going after him as their first pitcher, which yeah, I do absolutely. not recommend at all. And, you know, they're, they're loading up on offense and then it's like, okay, I'm going to target him. You know, hopefully he'll still be there in, in round four, um, maybe five. And then it's like, you get this guy and he's your first pitcher and he has a great, you know, start to the season again. And he's looking good. And you're thinking that paid off, you know, that was a great strategy and, blah, 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 and then boom, something happens and he's down and you're you're not in a good shape. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's 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 a difficult one. I mean some people like look, I've you know I've said it many times, I'm a very risk adverse fantasy player. Um and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes like look I'll miss on these guys who have massive upside because, but they're more risky. Like I'm not willing to take that big of a risk when I already know that there is risk involved with any player anyway. Um, another guy though, that you could take some risk with is guys who had horrible 2015s. I was going to put Sonny Gray on this list, but we talked about him in the injury wrap up. But Dallas Keuchel, Felix Hernandez, you know, those types of players who just had pretty down 2015s or 2016s, excuse me. And, I mean, do you believe in the bounce back for guys like this? Is there anybody else that you're believing in bounce back seasons for that, that I, you know, like I just put two guys on here just for the question purpose. But, you know, Dallas Keuchel, Felix Hernandez, anybody else that you would possibly believe in a bounce back season for? Yeah, I mean, I do think Keuchel can rebound. Um, I, I don't know if he's going to regain that Cy Young form. I mean, he was so locked down that year, and a lot of it was because he pitched so well at home. Um, so, I mean, you you got to kind of weigh that too. But King Felix is a guy who I'd be okay, you know, bypassing. I think he can he can get to a point where he's rosterable and you know you'll take a flyer if he's your number 3 maybe number 4 starter um and you've already got a pretty strong rotation ahead of him uh and then just you're you're just hoping to catch lightning in a bottle at that point but I I I think his he's on the downslope unfortunately it's another guy with a ton of innings over the years and, you know, a a lot of success because of that. But I think it's just finally wearing on him. Uh, You know, Keuchel isn't to me as, as much of a, a, an overuse guy uh, like Hernandez or, or, um, you know, some of the other ones that we were talking about earlier on. Uh, David Price and, and whatnot, but I, I could see it happening. I mean, another guy that I did just mention, Garrett Richards. I mean, he's coming off of a good 2015, and he was kind of a, a hot commodity going into last year. Um, or no, did he got injured at the end of 2015, didn't he? I have to look him up now because I'm just screwing myself up. I think that he could have a good year, though, this year. Um, 
you know, coming off of, of his injury and being out. Um, yeah, he had a yeah he had an elbow injury near the end of 2015, I believe, and I think he started at the yeah. Um, I think he he was the guy you know, that didn't I'm get blanking too where his, where he his, the, did he try and go because he played last year a few innings. Were they? I need to look him up too. That's I'm totally blanking on that. He um, went he went one and three at last year. He only had thirty four Ks, but he still had a two point three four ERA when, and a one thirty three whip. So he must have tried to pitch through it in the beginning and then decided to shut himself down. That's what it yeah, was. So he pitched like a full was. month. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, he's coming off that Tommy John, and. They're expecting him to pitch. Um, no, he is the guy that I was thinking of. He didn't have Tommy John. Oh, he, he chose the down. He chose oh, to rehab you. it. You're right. Um, yeah, I'm... he he shut himself down. They they discovered the tear in his uh, in his UCL in his right elbow. Um, right. In in now. May, that that is what you know ended his season. So he's gonna you know continue to rehab during spring training and he'll, he'll hopefully be ready to start this, this season. Um, so he's a guy that I think could bounce back again, the elbow, you got to see what, you know, how that will work. But you look at Tanaka and what he did after coming off of the similar injury and rehab style by not getting mm-hmm. Tommy John, he still had a pretty damn good year. So, you know, I, I think Richards is a guy that could, could bounce back. I, I think, you know, his ERL will probably be in the mid threes, um, you know, but he, he's, he should be fairly even wins and losses. I feel like I, I think he could get, um, you know, assuming he pitches a full season and gets 25 to 30 games in, you know they may they may opt to rest him or skip him a couple of starts um, to just help him kind of maintain his rehab and and not overuse him. But I mean, if he gets 25 starts, I could see him winning half of those. Um, so I do like Richards this year. Not not as like a a real early flyer or anything, but someone that I'm kind of looking at in those mid rounds. Yeah, he's somebody who I, I could take a risk on because his cost is so low at this point. Um, you know, you're getting him, you're getting him low enough that it's like, you know, if if I miss on him, I mean, his ADP is 217 total. I mean, if I if I miss on him, like it's not costing me a whole lot. But if you hit on a guy like that, that late in a draft, that's a game changer. But when you take a risk on the guys like Strasburg as early as you're taking, taking a risk on these guys, when you miss on those guys, that's huge. You have to have, you then almost guarantee that you have to hit somebody like a Richards later in the draft to replace the Strasburg. Or you just hit like the next six or seven picks in order to make up for it. Like when you lose that early guy, like that's that's massive. So yeah, I, I'm yeah. with you there on uh, on Keuchel and and Hernandez. 
I, I kind of like Heigl to bounce back. Um, Hernandez, not so much. He's just, like you said, workload, I think, is caught up to him. And we've just seen him decline each year. Um, but we talked about guys getting shut down early for injuries, but there's another reason why pitchers get shut down early, and it's they're young and they don't have, like, the arm strength they haven't built up their arm or whatever the it's called nowadays and it's, it's kind of silly to say sometimes but it's like these guys can just pitch just let them pitch right like that's what they used to do but it's not that way anymore these guys are pitching so hard they have so much torque on their elbow that they're all getting injured so it's now protect them protect them protect them and do you go after these younger guys who you know are going to have innings limits. You know, guy that comes to mind right away is Julio Urias uh, from the Dodgers. He's clearly, the guy's like 19. Uh, He's clearly going to have a limited workload. There's a ton of prospects that are out there, like Gerald Cotton from Oakland, um, a bunch of guys that they're going to pitch, but they may only pitch for the first four and a half months of the season and then get shut down. Do you target these guys? And then if you do, how do you plan ahead to make up for when these guys get shut down? Um, I, I try not to go after a lot of these guys because then you're just going to have a staff that could perform really well for the first few months. And then, you know, when you need them in the playoffs, they're not there. They're gone. You you have no roster of pitchers at that point. Um, I mean, I'm okay with having one of those guys, you know, maybe two of them, if I know that they might be able to extend some innings. Or or if they do play that card where they're going to shut them down, you know, earlier – you know, before the all-star break, they might skip a, a start in the rotation. And then after the all-star break, they, they put them, you know, they see how their schedule full unfolds and they may not need a fifth starter for a week and a half. You know, that sort of stuff helps. And, and you can overcome that a little bit easier if you know they're still going to probably try to pitch, you know, 170 innings. Um but it depends on, you know, if they're this young, like, like Urias, he's not going to be pitching a lot of innings, um, you know, and, and they may, they may shift these guys to the bullpen and, you know, they could still help you there depending on your, your league setup. But I'd almost rather not waste a, a roster spot on them at that point. I'd rather find somebody if I know I need starting help, uh, I'm looking for someone on the waiver wire or someone else that, that could get called up and, and, you know, make, uh, make an impact that way. Yeah. I'm kind of the same way. Although, you know, I, I did change my tune a little bit last year and took guys like Rodon who I thought, you know, although I don't think he had an ending limit, but you know, you, you weren't a hundred percent sure with that guy. The guy I took a real risk on last year was Aaron Sanchez, but you know what? Honestly, I got him with like, yeah. the last pick, and I was like, "Who cares?" At that point, like when he goes out, I had no idea how good he was going to be. That was ridiculous. Um, but I'm okay taking like one of these guys, 
because you can generally get them late enough that what you get from them makes up for anything you're going to get from the other guys, typically from any of the other guys that you're getting in the territory that you're drafting them. They are so, they can be so good for those four months that it makes up for even three of those pitchers that you would have taken in that range. So I'm definitely okay taking a prospect, you know, or a younger guy who's going to get a shot at least, my thing is, is take you know take the guy who has the job coming out of the spring. Take the risk on that guy, um, you know, like a like a Joe Musgrove. Like he's going to have most likely a job coming out of spring, but his innings are going to get limited because he's young. So that's the type of guy that I think has the the talent to make a difference in your league for the four months he pitches, but he's going to get shut down early. And then you just you just adjust, um, and that leads right into the next question. Here is: Is there a prospect that you would draft and stash for a couple of months, knowing that they're going to come up in you know some? Let's say let's say they come up in May. I'm not going to pick a guy who's going to come up after the All-Star break. I don't believe in taking those guys. They come up after the All-Star break. It's July. You can't wait that long, in my opinion, unless you're in a super deep league. But in your standard leagues, you can't afford to do that. But you can afford to sit on a guy for a month, I think. Who's yeah. the one prospect that you want to take? I'm trying to look at him now to just see who's who's what. Um, I mean, you got Glass now as the eighth overall prospect with Pittsburgh, and you got Giolito. Uh, both of those guys were up last year. They got some time, um, albeit I don't feel like it was, you know, a, a lot of super great positive results, but they were up, they played. Um, I mean, one guy that I do like uh, and I think he's actually shut down, though. Yeah, I I really liked Alex Reyes. Um, yeah, granted he but he was going to get shot was... to start, so I don't <laughs> that wouldn't have counted. So I'm talking about a guy well, who yeah, probably bat, isn't so... going to start the year. Yeah, I mean one one other name that I do like, I like Josh Hader. Um, in uh, uh, in Milwaukee. <laughs> I know. I know that he was your guy. Who, so that's, it's absolutely who I who I like. I took him yeah, in my NFC draft, man. I wanted him so bad. I definitely like Hater. I, I think he's he's ready. Um, I thought that he might make it up last year, but he didn't. So I, I was kind of surprised by that a little bit, but. At the same time, Milwaukee wasn't doing anything. So, you know, what's the point in bringing him up? You can leave him down, let him get some more practice, and and just you know, hone hone his craft a little bit better. So, uh, I do like Hater. He's someone that I would wait on. Um, a couple yeah, other guys he... that came up. I don't know if they're going to start the year or at least have a chance. 
Um, they didn't have great success, but Braden Shipley and Robert Stevenson, I feel like Shipley definitely has a chance to, to jump into the rotation in Arizona. Um, Robert Stevenson was a guy I drafted in my, my dynasty league, but he just, you know, he was up, he was up for a lot of last year. So I wouldn't be surprised if he starts the year with them again, too. Yeah. I, I like Hater. You you took my guy. Um, but yeah, he's absolutely the the one that I'm I would be willing to sit on. I think he's I think he's gonna be up by the end of April at the at the latest dude. Like this guy is so good. I don't know why they're waiting for him. Just give him the ball, let's see what this kid can do. You know <laughs> I did not know this about him. I just pulled up his profile on the MLB prospect watch page. Yeah, he was drafted uh, by Baltimore in the 19th yeah. round in 2012, and we traded him for Bud Norris. Oh, God. I hate that crap. Why do the Orioles do this? We are the worst I, at projecting talent. Like, yeah, I just – I did the same thing. I pulled up his stats, and I saw it. It's like, oh, why? <laughs> so awful. Um yeah, so he's good. He's definitely the guy I would do. Um, you know, I I don't really know about a Giolito. He's having he's having control issues. Um, Glasnow, I like. Although, is he gonna break camp with them? I'm not really sure. It's it's hard to say, but I've always liked him too. So yeah, it's those. I think. I think Glasnow and Hater are the only are the only ones I would do. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of all I've got for starting pitching. I got a couple questions here, real quick, for for relievers. And look, with relievers, I, I do want to say my draft strategy real quick for relievers because I didn't mention it earlier. Relievers, I, I typically wait. Like I don't go after the the Chapmans, the Jansons, the the Britons, these guys who, you know, look, they're awesome. I get it. Um, but the price you pay for these guys for two categories, because, yeah, their ERA and their whip are good, but they pitch so few innings that it doesn't make that huge of a difference for you in the long run. Um, but I, I generally try and take one of these – middle tier safer guys to kind of anchor my saves and then I'll kind of wait and pick and choose from the the last couple guys on the list who I think are safer than people think um and I'll just rack up saves and and then just play the roulette the roulette wheel of of closers cuz look when it comes that when it comes down to it there's going to be what at least 50% of the closers who started the year, it feels like, are not going to be the closer at the end of the year. So you're going to have the opportunity to pick up somebody really good throughout the season. Um, you just have to yeah. stay on top of it. And, yeah, I mean, that's, that is 100% of the reason why I do not go after it. Now, some people just like, look, I don't want to play that game. I don't have time for it. I don't want to deal with it. I you know I'm just going to – Drop my closer and not have to think about it. Cool. That's that's all. I mean, that's a very viable strategy. But I don't think that you can build 
the best team that way. I have not seen a whole lot of teams win with the best closers on their on their squad, you know, for the ones that they drafted because they wasted like to get Chapman. Where do you have to get Chapman right now? Um, you have to draft uh, Chapman in round f- in with pick fifty. Jansen's yeah. going at pick forty-seven. No way am I re- wasting a fourth, fifth-round pick on these guys. That's craziness. There are so now, many, my, so many good players going in that range. My thing was last year in in both my my pitching league and my and and our fantasy six-pack league, I took Chapman and I took him later because of the suspension. Right. Obviously, you don't have a suspension to deal with this year. So his stock fell enough that I think I grabbed him in the you got 12th him late. I do remember that. 13th round in, in my pitching points league. And I could have kept him this year as a 12th rounder, I think. And Which, see, I did the same thing with Boxberger in our league because yeah. I thought when he came back from his injury, he was going to have the job. And then yep. I ended up trading you for Alex Colome, Colome or whatever his name is. And, yeah. uh, but, you know, it's funny. You say, we don't have a suspension this year. Oh, but maybe we do. Jury's Familia. Um, Mr. Mm-hmm. Um, domestic Abuse. He is most likely going to be facing a suspension. I'm actually very surprised it hasn't come down yet. Um Reyes got the same deal a couple of years ago, and I, I think it's going to happen. And so most likely the starter, the starting closer for the Mets is going to be Addison Reed. But what do you do with Familia? Like, this guy is a top-notch closer. Like, if it wasn't for the suspension, he'd probably be my number four closer uh, coming into the year. But with this being said, he has – drop down my rankings like I won't touch him what are you doing with him yeah I, I have no interest in in familiar right now um, I mean you if you remember how much I bashed David Robinson last year uh, Robertson sorry uh, you know and thought that you know, yeah he had decent stats but he wasn't going to do it again and I have to double check that listen to that show I may have been actually spot on with that but um, I would take him over over really and I do <laughs> He he did, but I mean, I would I would I'll actually like go thirty eight games or something like that. Yeah, and I think I said he wouldn't break thirty five or thirty six. I don't. Know, it was something close to that. But I, I'm staying away from him. I want nothing to do with him. Um, you know, I. I'd rather go after a, a Francisco Rodriguez, who's you know in the the FSP rankings four spots lower, uh, three spots lower. Sorry, you know I I'm just not going to waste my time with this guy, especially if he's going to be out all the year. I mean, is that what we're looking at here? Well, that, he's going to be. Gone. They're talking. See, I'm I'm hearing reading, hearing. I'm reading that it's going to be 50 games. You know, that's kind of like what Reyes got. You know, that's a third of the season, fourth of the season. That's that's a lot. Um, yeah. But And and you, the the risk with that is what if Addison Reed has just been unhittable 
do they really take him out? I mean, it's kind of like the Boxberger deal. Like, Boxberger came back, mm-hmm. and they were like, yeah, you could be his setup, man. He's pretty good, so we're just going to leave him there. Like, <laughs> that happens all the time. So, I, I yeah, I just I just can't do it. I, I'm totally with you. And it's funny you mentioned the SXP rankings. I did not realize that because, um, actually, I personally have Familia one spot lower than K-Rod. So that's Tyler. <laughs> I'm putting all that on Tyler. Sorry, man, you were not here to defend yourself, but you have familiar rate way too high, in my opinion. Um, He's got so that's pretty funny. Oh, okay, so I see that that's the combined for your average. Yeah, you've got him right behind him. I see that now. Yeah. Yeah, he's got so, K-Rod all the way at 22. So, granted, he hasn't Oh, look, his, I'm not uh, huge on ranking. K-Rod either. I think age is... I think age is catching up to him. It got to eventually. Yeah. And, you know, but, you know, whatever. Um, you know, we talked about setup guys and how I don't generally target them either. But look, some of these guys are ridiculously good. Andrew Miller, Dylan Batances are two of the best. These guys, as much as they don't, you know, as much as I say they, they don't make as huge of an impact on whip and ERA, but like, these guys are so good that they can because their ratios are so ridiculous and they are high strikeout guys. They get more strikeouts than some lower end starters throughout the entire season. Where do you take some of these guys? I mean, I, I would be okay taking them as my second relief pitcher. Um, and, you know, I do like to go after at least one of the fairly top closers um, just because I, I like having that consistency. You know what you're getting from the guys. You know, I went after Britton last year. He paid off big. I got Chapman late. He paid off. Um, you know, so I, I had a sick bunch of closers to go off of. But, you know, I think that you have to – Again, you just have to figure out how you want to build your team. If you want to go after them, um, you have to know that that other people are looking at getting them early and and trying to snag them. So, um, I mean, I'm probably looking at them, you know, maybe 9, 10, 11, somewhere in that range. I feel like they could go that early. Um. Maybe maybe I'm a little high on that, but that's that's yeah, where I would, I think you're I think mind. you're a tad high on that. Now Miller Miller I've seen go that early because some people I still think believe he's actually the closer, which is not true. Um, no, that he, he hasn't overtaken Cody Allen. No, he has I mean, not he, taken Cody he Allen. He gets his opportunities, get saves, but and he I mean they use him all over the place. I mean he may not even get holds. Um, in some games because they bring him in so early. So I, I yeah. do like Miller better than Batances. Um, yeah, absolutely. But I like I like Batances' later inning usage. You know what you're getting with him. You know he's going to be a, an eighth, eighth inning guy. So if yeah. you're trying to play the saves and holds, you're going to go after him first. Um, or just assume that, you know, Miller is going to somehow manage to get all that stuff still, even if they bring him in in sixth inning. 
Yeah. Now, Vitalis is falling a little bit more, uh, but he's still going in, in all drafts, even though he doesn't get any saves. Chapman's going to be there to, to clean up all of those just about. Mm-hmm. So that's – but, look, strikeouts are still there. I, you know, I generally just don't touch these guys because unless you're in a league that counts holds – look, if you're in a league that counts holds, these guys are going to be better than a lot of closers. Um, but if you don't count holds, then it's to me it's not really worth it. Um, yeah. You know, good strikeout numbers, but I'd rather take my chances with a, a pitcher who I think can be better and will be on the mound more, give me wins, you know, stuff like that. So uh, last question I've got for relievers here is what do you do with all of these committee approaches coming out of the spring? There are a ton of them, it feels like. We've got, we've got L.A., you know, the, the Angels with Pedrosian, Bailey, um, and, and when Street gets healthy, uh, we've got Washington with Kelly and Trinian, 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 Cincinnati, Iglesias and Storin and Lorenzen, uh, Colorado, Ottavino and Holland and McGee, um, Atlanta, I guess, is another one, really. But, you know, Jim Johnson's a guy, but they've got Vizcaino and, and, and other guys behind him. Like, there's just a lot of committees coming out of the spring. Uh, it's it's making you almost need to go get relievers a little bit earlier this year, from what I'm noticing. Because, to me, I don't want to get left with one of these guys. Because if you are, then – then you absolutely know you're going to have to be playing the roulette wheel with with closers because these guys are not going to keep their jobs. But do do you target these guys that's hoping that one will land? You can get them. Yeah, I'm okay going. Yeah, I'm okay going after these guys, you know, some of them uh, more so than others. But, I mean, Vizcaino was a guy that I targeted last year really late because – he came in at the end of the year before and he did a good job and he got some saves, but then he just didn't have it last year. I I don't know. I mean, he, he would still get saves, but then he would blow a couple here and there. He just didn't get out. He was very hittable. So, you know, the closer role and, and the relief role in general is very fickle. It's always changing. So, um, I, I think with, uh, you know, he, he went out. So Johnson came back in, took over the role. Um, but he's next in line. I mean, if something happens to, yeah. to Johnson. So either way, uh, I, I think, you know, you, you have to look at some of these guys. Um, and, you know, I know we're going to jump into sleepers and busts here in a minute. I did end up putting Cam Bedrosian as my relief sleeper. Um, I know we didn't necessarily have that listed, but I threw him in there because I, I do like his upside a lot. I think, you know, Houston Street is another ancient guy. He still gets it done when he's healthy, but he's another injury risk. He's always got something wrong with him. You know, Bedrosian will most likely start the year in that role, and if, if he pitches up to his, you know, uh, up to snuff, he, he could keep that role all year. So I had yeah. him oh, you know, I like listed as, as a sleeper. So he's one I would target, you know, like an Adovino. I, I don't typically like relievers from Colorado anyways or pitchers in general. 
So I wouldn't necessarily go after him or, or his, you know, Motley crew over there. Um, you know, some of the other guys, the, the, the guys in Baltimore, I, I'm okay going after because they're shut down guys, you know, Darren O'Day and, and uh, Brad Brock, they're still going to get you numbers. They're going to help you out. They're not really yeah. closers though, but if you're, well, if you're I'm in the, the league like ours where you're getting saves and hold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they're not nobody's, in the nobody's taking Britain out right now, but no. But yeah, I mean, there's a couple other committees. That I that, you know, I just they're not lists committees. I'm I'm on I'm on closer monkey. A couple other you know potential committees later on could be Texas with Sam Dyson and Matt Bush, and then Pittsburgh with Watson and and Hudson right behind him. I don't believe those are are as you know committees like people think. I don't know why people are so down on Dyson. You know, if I had if I had to pick a sleeper, it's Sam Dyson. He's going so late in drafts, it's ridiculous. Like he's done nothing to prove that he can't pitch. I think people are looking at like a reduced strikeout rate or something with him, but it's like I think Britain's proved you don't have to strike out thirteen guys an inning to be an elite closer. So why can't yeah. Sam Dyson keep doing it? So what yeah. is, you know, it is what it is. Um so, so let's move on to our sleepers of bus here. You know, I, I'm just gonna do starting pitchers. Relievers are kind of hit or miss. It's it's whatever. Um, my yeah. sleeper is, and I'm going to destroy this name, Robert Gesellman or whatever. Please tell me I said that right. Gesellman, uh, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this guy is going to unless something crazy happens, he's going to get the fifth job, the fifth starter spot for the Mets. Uh, came up last year. I believe he pitched out of the bullpen for a lot of the year. Um, yeah. Got a couple starts here and there. Actually, no, he got seven stars. Just kidding. Um, looking at SS now. He, he pitched well, man. Uh, low ERA. FIP was good. Strikeouts were good. Walks were a tad high, but not out, not outrageous. Um, but you know, he kept the ball in the park, and he did that all throughout his minor league career. So, you know, he, he's just a he's just a good all around pitcher, and he's going late, although he's starting to gain traction. You know, he's he's going earlier and earlier in every draft I've done so far. So he's starting to creep up draft boards. So if you want him, you're going to have to go get him a couple of rounds before his ADP hits on your draft board because people know who he is now. Uh, so yeah. but I think he's going to be worth it. All right. Um, yeah, my, my, uh, my sleeper here, I've got Junior Guerra listed. Um, I, I made a note here he, that he could be on an in, innings limit. Um, mostly I'm just gathering that because he only had 121.2 innings pitched last year. Uh, the dude went 9-3 and three with a 281 ERA, and he played in 20, 20 games, you know, started 20 games. Um, you know, I, I just – he had 100 strikeouts. In, in that time, so you stretch that out to a full season, and he's sitting around 150. So that's not that's not bad for you know as late as you can pick this guy up. The biggest thing that jumps out to me though was his stadium ERA was a 2.23 at Miller Park, um, which 
correct me if I'm wrong, is a hitter's ballpark. Yes. Um, so, I mean, to to have a, a under two and a half ERA at home where you play half of your games and manage to go five and two in, in nine games pitched there, um, you know, that's, that's impressive to me. He only gave up four home runs. Now, granted, that was yeah, the most, a, but he also pitched. Yeah, he's a big ground there. ball pitcher. That that helps. Yeah. So that's uh, that's big. I do like that. Yeah. Uh, so I like you a lot. Um, I do like that pick. My bust, and I think this is going to be on a lot of people's list right now, is uh, is Zach Greinke. Dude, I want nothing to do with this guy. They've been talking about reduced velocity. Like, they were excitedly hitting 91 on the radar gun just the other day or something like that because they've seen him down as low as 89 with his fastball. Like, it's bad. Something's wrong with Granke. And uh, until he admits it and go gets whatever he needs to do to get it fixed, uh, I think he's going to struggle. I think he's going to be worse than last year. Yeah, my my pick is, uh, is Mr. Cy Young himself. Up in Boston, Rick Porcello. Uh, I I don't see him repeating that success. I, I think he can still be a good pitcher. He's a guy that I've always kind of followed along and, and found a way to get him on my team each year back when he was with Detroit. Um, and, you know, he had his ups and downs, but, you know, especially a down year, you know, his first year in Boston, and then he just – put it all together last year. But I think that that's going to cause him to have a very high price this year. I think people are going to be like, oh, well, now he's got it. He He's finally caught on. You know, he's living up to the prospect, um, you know, hype and all of that that he had for, for all those years, um, even though he didn't show it. So I, I like Porcello. I'm just probably not going to get him in in mostly all of my drafts because I feel like he's going to be going a lot higher. His uh, his ADP is actually only where. 96, which is pretty surprising. Really? I thought it'd be higher hmm. than that because I, I was the oh, same I way with maybe him. Maybe I, I would get, get him in a couple. When, when I was looking at him, of, uh, I, I do agree with you though. Like I do think there's going to be a uh, like he's going to take a step back this year, but it looked yeah. like people are like a lot of other people are expecting the same, and so. Yeah. The potential is there for better than that. And so getting him in that range. Look, there's a lot of other guys around there like Quintana and Cole and Duffy and Maeda and Tehran and Sanchez and even Salazar that I probably might take ahead of him just because I'm never like overly impressed with Rick Borsello for some reason. Like, I don't know. Even last year, like his ERA was 315. Like you just won a shit ton of games because you were playing for the Red Sox. Like it's – well, yeah, That's what he had a fantastic offense behind them, and yeah, you know that that was one of the uh, one of the stats I looked at um, earlier this year. I think when we were talking about Porcello, or maybe it was the end of end of last year or something like that. But um, yeah, maybe I will be able to snag him a little later than I thought. But either way, I, I'm not necessarily jumping right on. And then just to throw it out there. I already talked about Bedrosen as a uh, sleeper candidate for relief pitching. Uh, Mark Melanson, um, you know, he's he's a quality guy. He's going to get saves, especially on, on a low-scoring San Fran team who seems to always have close games. But he's such a low-K guy that if you take him 
where his ADP is, you're going to have to make up for those Ks somewhere else. So um, I, I'd rather I'd rather look at one of the other you know top tier or second tier guys instead of Melanson. Yeah, I I hear you on the low Ks, but I like Melanson. I, I like him a lot this year. He's moving to a, a pitcher's ballpark, dude. His ratios yeah. are going to be oh my, like I almost think they're going to get better, which is I like him a lot, but yeah, no, the, the K's for where you take him, the the reduced number of K's you get for that elite pitching relief pitching tier yeah. is is a, it's a struggle. It, it really does kind of put you behind the eight ball there. But uh, anyway, so that's all we've got. The show's uh, we're almost running out of time here, so that's all we've got. That concludes our position previews go back and listen to them all on blog talk radio i have posted all of them also over at so-called fantasy experts and uh, you can hit me up on twitter at fantasy six pack you can hit up aj at, at apple gar aj did i get that right apple garth algar apple garth algar <laughs> i was close no i wasn't anyway <laughs> um yeah Sammy Swan, Swami Swanson. It's also because you don't tweet, so uh, Samson, I don't, I, to, I I don't see. Off. Yes, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, anyway, so next week we will not have a show. I'm going to be out of town, so won't be able to do it. But uh, we will be back the following week to wrap up some spring training news and just close out shop for spring and get you ready for the season. That's all I've got, and see you in two weeks. Enjoy the madness. Yeah, damn straight.